Well, last Sunday, um, I know many of y'all were probably here. Um, some of y'all weren't, but uh, it, was, it was a very, um, it, was a, it was a really heavy Sunday for me personally. Um, it was really meaningful. It was one of the most meaningful services that I've been a part of in all my years at Christ City Church. Um, if you were here, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If, if you weren't here and uh, you missed the news, then last week we announced, Jamin and I announced up here that, um, that in just a couple of months, I'll be stepping away from this job, this role at Christ City Church. Um, I have an opportunity to come on board as an associate pastor at a church, Holy Cross Cathedral, outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And um, my wife and I, we're, we're really excited about the opportunity. We're thankful. We're grateful for the opportunity. It's a really good opportunity. It's a chance to step into to a lot of things that have been culminating in me for a really long time now, and so I'm excited. And I got to express last week, and I'll continue to express um, that while I'm excited, I'm also really, really sad. There's a lot of sadness in my heart. And last week was the saddest I felt at a worship service at Christ City, um, I think, ever. Um, and one of the reasons that I feel a lot of sadness is um, because I really love this church. I really love y'all. And I'll miss you a lot. Um, this church means more um, than I can really express to uh, my wife and me. Um, I was thinking about it this week. So we've been here for more than nine years. When I first joined up with what God's doing at Christ City Church, I was 23 years old. It's kind of crazy. Um, we've been through a whole lot together, um, and we've been so shaped uh, by our time at this church, by our time with you. Um, and so we'll miss you a lot. And uh, so this morning, with all of that happening in the back of my head and in my heart as I read these lectionary passages for this third Sunday of Advent, um, it felt a little bit different. And I found myself like really flooded with, with affection for y'all. And so this passage in particular in James chapter five caught my attention. And uh, because I think James in this passage, he's also flooded with and feeling a lot of affection for his readers. In verse seven, it, didn't, it doesn't translate it this way in the NIV translation, which is what, what we just read together. But in verse seven in other translations, it says, um, James calls his, his readers beloved. He says, therefore, beloved, wait patiently for the Lord. So it's, it's a very sort of pastoral, um, sort of affectionate passage. And so it, it, it struck me this week and caught my attention. And um, the image or, or the metaphor, the analogy that, that came to mind this week as I was sitting with all of this, and this, this may sound overdramatic, and I don't, I don't mean for it to, I hope it doesn't. Um, it, maybe it's just the thing that captures best what's going on in me. And it's this idea of like famous last words. Do y'all, like that's a real thing, right? Like there are coffee table books in some people's houses with, with famous last words. Um, and you know what? I should have written some of them down, but I didn't. So just Google it. You can just Google it. Um, it wasn't at the top of my agenda this week, but um, Google it, look at some famous last words. And these, these aren't my last words. Like I've got some more weeks and more times to stand and, and preach and uh, give sermons here. Um, but there are three words, three words that 
kind of were, were standing out to me as I, as I studied and meditated on this passage this week. Um, and again, they, they feel different because like these, these really express my heart for you right now, um, Christ City Church. So I want to look at what James is saying here and then from what he's saying, um, give you these three words. We'll go ahead and put them up on the screen so you can see them in the very beginning. Um, and these three words are wait, grow, and love. Wait, grow, love. So first, a little bit of context. James is writing this letter. James, probably James, the brother of Jesus, is, is penning this letter um, for followers of Jesus in the first century. And we don't know exactly what's going on, but we know that the people he's writing the letter to are experiencing some sort of suffering. Because important themes that run throughout the book are themes like perseverance and steadfastness. James actually begins the letter this way. Let me show you in James chapter one. You can often catch the sort of purpose behind someone's writing um, in the first few sentences that they write. So this is how James starts this letter in James chapter one, verse two. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This same theme runs through the entire letter and it's showing up right here in chapter five. So we started in the reading we just read together um, in James chapter five, verse seven, but I wanna look a little bit at the broader context. So in the few verses before chapter uh, five, verse seven, James has some very stinging words. Look at what he says in, in verses one and two of chapter five. All of this will be on the screen so you don't have to worry about flipping around in your Bible. Um, James chapter five, verses one and two, he says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Wow, those are, those are some stinging words from, from James right there, from St. James. James is specifically talking to people who have acquired wealth for themselves by disadvantaging others, who, had, who have advantaged themselves to the disadvantage of other people, so who have oppressed other people and who have been a part of creating injustices in the world and creating more advantage, more wealth, more privilege, more power for themselves. And James does not, when speaking to these people, mince his words. So then in verse seven, some translations say, therefore, beloved. So an old preacher that I heard growing up would say things like, whenever you see therefore, you gotta ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore, right? What's the therefore, therefore? And so James is probably addressing this sort of suffering that his readers are experiencing because they're experiencing oppression and injustice and they're feeling the weight of lack of equality. He says in verse seven, therefore, beloved, be patient until the Lord's coming. So the encouraging, the pastoral, the comforting word that James has for his readers is, hey, if you're suffering under the weight of injustice and oppression, wait with patience because our Lord Jesus is coming and he's for you, he sees you, he loves you, Throughout scripture, the constant refrain is that God is for, God is on the side of the oppressed. Now, some of you may hear that 
that pastoral word and maybe you experience encouragement because you can share in these sorts of experiences with James's original readers. Maybe you have those sorts of experiences. You know what it's like to experience lack of equality or injustice. But for all of us, whether you have that direct experience or not, we all feel some encouragement in this, right? Because we all look outside and we're overwhelmingly aware of the injustices that exist in our world. Lack of equality, injustice, the power for using their privilege not to serve and love other people, but to take from for their own gain. And so we can look at this and be encouraged because Jesus is coming, our Lord Jesus is coming and will make all things right. If you're reading along with, we have these little... Um, monthly Bible reading cards that we make available for you. And if you've been following along throughout this month, the season of Advent, we've been reading some weird stuff. Has anybody, anybody experienced that? Um, we've been reading a lot in Amos and Haggai, and it's just, it's a little bit difficult. But in Amos, we encountered these words that MLK famously used in his I Have a Dream speech in Amos chapter 5 where Amos writes in this prophetic vision that he has, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. And we can wait with patience and hope and encouragement because we know that justice will indeed flood our earth when Jesus returns, when he who sits on the throne says, behold, I am making all things new. And so now we wait we wait longingly and hopefully for Jesus to return. But there's an important aspect to this waiting that's sort of hidden here in these few verses in James chapter five. I wanna show you, and this is what's really been stirring my heart for you specifically this week. So it's, it's sort of hidden, it's not explicit, it's implicit um, in verse seven. So let me show you, in verse seven, James writes, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Now, the implied thing here is that the farmer is waiting for something specific. There's a purpose. There's a goal to the farmer's waiting. The goal for the farmer, the end, the purpose is fruit, valuable crop, fruit, valuable fruit. James makes it more explicit. It's a little less hidden in James chapter one, just after the verses we read earlier. So let me, let me read a lot, of, a lot of Bible reading today, which is good. So let me read these verses for you in James one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Listen to this. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be, this is the fruit that we're looking for, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So there's an end, a fruit, a purpose to our waiting. And that purpose is that we may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And that's my heart for you, Christ City Church. That's what I want for you, that you would be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now, let me unpack why this has been so heavy on my heart this week. Because at Christ City, there's a very specific journey that we're on as a church. 
And really being a part of what we're doing at Christ City Church means jumping in on and being a part of this journey. And the journey is summed up well in our church's mission statement. And so let me give you that mission statement, but I'm gonna say it in a personal way. And here it is. I desire that you would become and continue to become followers of Jesus who recover your lives, reimagine your purpose, and who refresh your world. So a lot of us have been on that journey together. And one thing I've experienced, and I know many of you have as well, is that there are three things that are true about this journey. One, this journey of recovering your life, reimagining your purpose, refreshing your world is a lot of work, right? The second thing that I know that's true about this journey is it takes a long time. It, it probably takes a lifetime and you'll probably never even get there. You'll never arrive. It takes a long time. And then the third thing that's true about it that we've all experienced together is that it necessarily means entering into the pain and the suffering that we try by whatever means we can to get away from and avoid. And so my fear, my concern is that perhaps this work will feel like too much. It'll feel like too heavy. The time will feel too long and the pain will feel too painful. So that instead of finishing this journey and waiting and continuing on this journey, you'll want to press the eject button before you experience that maturity, that completeness, that not lacking in anything. And I don't want that for you. I want you to become followers of Jesus, continue to become followers of Jesus, continue to become followers of Jesus, because in Jesus, I believe there's life, life abundant. That doesn't mean some future like ethereal, eternal life where we're like floating around on clouds with wings. There's life in Jesus now. And I want you to experience that and taste that and hold on to that and continue to experience that and continue to taste that the life, the abundant life that is in Jesus for you now, the true life that you're longing for and that you're looking for. So James's encouragement and admonition and my encouragement and admonition is to wait, to be patient, to endure, to remain steadfast because your waiting leads to your growing. Your waiting leads to your growing James says it beautifully in verse eight. It's translated more beautifully in other translations. So let me give it to you from a different translation. James writes, strengthen your hearts, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. And then if you're like me, <clears throat> sometimes I can, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I don't know, a blessing and a curse, like be too much in the weeds. And so when I hear that, strengthen your heart, oh, that's beautiful and poetic, but what does that mean, right? Like, how do you even do that? James gives us one really practical piece at the end of the section we read. He says, beloved or brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets, look to the prophets, look to the example of the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So during this season of Advent, there's a lot of reading in these 
these weird, strange prophetic books. Again, if you're following along with our daily Bible reading, you've been reading a lot in Amos and Haggai. And every Sunday morning until this one, we've read a text from Isaiah. Why? Like, why? That's, those are the passages that churches around the world and throughout time are reading and focusing on during the season of Advent, and they do it every year. Why? Here's why. Because the story of the prophets is a story of waiting, waiting in darkness. So the last book in our Old Testament is this prophetic book called Malachi. And it's probably chronologically the last book of the Old Testament as well. The ministry of Malachi took place around 450 BC. So God gave his word to his people through this prophet Malachi in 450 BC. And then that was it. And then there were more than 400 years of silence while God's people waited and they wondered, God, what's, what's happening? Did you, did you forget about us? Where are you? What happened to all these promises we've been hearing about? Why are we just experiencing this darkness all around us for 400 years? Silence, waiting, wondering. And then you know the story, the Christmas story. Jesus, God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, burst onto the scene in this small town in Bethlehem in a manger. God showed up. He met his people in their waiting. And so we, like these Old Testament prophets, are in this season of waiting. We look back and we have hope, we have joy. This, this pink candle that we lit this morning represents and symbolizes the joy that we have because Jesus has come. Yet there's still darkness and we look forward. We wait for the light of the world to come and make all things new. So James is encouraging us to find company with the Old Testament prophets. These Old Testament prophets are kind of crazy, weird people. They lived with so much tension and struggle. But does that sound familiar to you? Tension and struggle, waiting, wondering, Silence, confusion, what's happening? Where are you, God? So James is inviting us to keep company with these prophets to feel less lonely with God's people who knew how to wait in the darkness for the light to come. So as you keep company with these prophets, you'll keep company with people like Jeremiah who was depressed and angry and frustrated, who lived a life filled with so much pain You'll keep company with people like Jonah, who was rebellious and cynical. You'll keep company with people like Isaiah, who was filled with kind of this bold passion, consumed with zeal for the Lord and for God's people. You'll keep company with people who knew what it is to wait and struggle and tension. And that's company, Christ City, that, that we need to learn to keep. But there's one thing, despite all these different different sorts of prophets and different things they had going on. There's one uniting, unifying factor among all of them. And it's this, that they deeply loved their Lord. They deeply loved Yahweh. They wanted to hear from him. They wanted to be steadfast and faithful to him. Even Jonah, who did so very begrudgingly. And the same is true for us. Let me show you sort of a parallel verse uh, parallels this James chapter five verse. It's, it's in the, the letter of Hebrews and it's, it's a little bit longer. So stay with me. This is 
This is beautiful and I believe important for you to hear this morning. In Hebrews chapter 12, we see, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition, such struggle, such tension, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So keep company with the prophets and look to and keep company with the true and greater prophet, Jesus, who knows what it is to experience the struggle, who knows what it is to feel exhausted and tired, who knows what it is to experience the difficulty in waiting, the loneliness, the pain that there is in waiting. So look to Jesus, press into Jesus. Don't press the eject button on Jesus. Don't grow weary, don't lose heart. Look to him who can be with you in your weariness, our Lord, our savior, Jesus. So wait, grow. And then there's one last word that shows up in these verses in James and it's love, wait, grow and love. So there's one verse here that feels a little bit peculiar and out of place. It reminds me of these, um, these little games that I play with my kids where you have two pictures and you're like, what's different about this picture? And there's just something that's subtly different. Like there's one verse here that kind of stands out. It's kind of like, what is, what is this verse doing here? Like this is, is so encouraging and so comforting. And then all of a sudden verse nine happens, which kind of catches you by surprise. So here's, Here's verse nine. In the midst of this encouraging word, James writes, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or beloved, soften it a little bit. Don't grumble against one another or don't judge one another, another translation says, or you too will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Wow. Like in the midst of this comforting section, there's this, and it just, to me, struck me as odd. And a little, like, it just seems like it doesn't belong here, right? Like, let's just be comforting and then come back to this later, James. But he includes it here, and I think it's important. I think it's important, and I think it's relevant for you, for our church. Because this, this hard work, this journey that we're on as a church, becoming fathers of Jesus who recover our lives, who reimagine our purpose, who refresh our world, it is not a journey that you can go about alone. It's not something that you can do in isolation, James's readers who are waiting in the midst of persecution and suffering, it's not something that they could do alone. It's not something that any of us can do in isolation. It, it necessarily means pressing into relationship. And here's what happens when you press into real relationship with other people. You will open yourself up to all sorts of hurt and pain if you're, if you're truly living vulnerably with other people. Many of us never experience real, real relationship because we're afraid of all the hurt and pain because of maybe experiences that we've had in our lives. So we don't wanna go there with vulnerability with other people because that necessarily means opening yourself up to all sorts of hurt and pain, but you'll never get there alone. It means that we're in relationship on this journey of recovery, of becoming followers of Jesus together. 
So with that in mind, you can see what James is getting at here. As people are living in vulnerable, real, close, transparent relationship with you, honor them. Don't gossip, don't grumble, honor and respect fellow human beings who are inviting you into their life, into the real life that they're experiencing. Respect them, respect the vulnerability of your brother and sister. What about this part about um, like don't judge other people because you too will be judged? The judge is near, like what does that mean? Here's, here's what one thing, he's getting at a lot of things, but here's one thing that James is getting at here. Being in real relationship with people also means that you will experience differences with one another, right? Especially at a place like Christ City where we're intentionally trying to cultivate this space where people can be different, where there can be sort of like thought diversity here among us. So our temptation, our natural posture when we experience differences with other people is to put them in their place, right? to show how you're right and how you think that they're wrong about something. And James is telling us like, hey, you can just be. You don't have to be the judge of who's right, who's wrong. You can just be and be in relationship with other people because Jesus is the judge and he's near. So you can like let Jesus do his thing and you can do your thing in relationship with other people and we'll all be a part of this journey together. So honor one another, love one another, experience what it means to to be with yourself and with God and with one another. And we can be on this journey together, becoming followers of Jesus. So these three words, I hope you'll lean into them. Even if you don't write things down, perhaps even if it's on your notes app on your phone, perhaps jot these three words down, lean into them. And as, as you lean into these three things, waiting, growing, and loving, may you, Christ City Church, continue to become a place that is refreshing in our neighborhoods and in our city and in our world. May you experience deep recovery of life May you reimagine your purpose, what it is that God is calling you to, who it is that you are, what it is that God has for you. May you experience deep joy together as you become followers of Jesus with one another. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for this pastoral kind, helpful word from St. James. And I pray that it would challenge us and comfort us today to wait well. And in the waiting, may we experience growth. And as we grow together, would we experience love with one another as well. Pray that you would bless this church, that we would wait, grow, and love. In Christ's name we pray, amen.